When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy. It is great to be joined once again by former conditional jockey and one of the brains behind the operation at the Gary Moore Yard. That place only ticks because George Gorman is there. George, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much, Emmett. Uh, small, very, very small part in the wheel. I'm only in there in the mornings, I should point out. Don't do any of the hard work. <laughs> yeah, it's um, just for full clarification, Gary Moore's an absolute genius. It was a brilliant, it was a fantastic weekend of jumps racing from the Breeders' Cup to the elite staying chasers and the Gold Cup's second favourite, proving, or maybe not, uh, that he is legitimately a threat to gallop on the Champs crown. Jerry Kalam beats Envoyelen and conflated with Manel Indo falling out the back of the telly in the Ladbrokes Champion Chase. George, what was your reaction to it? I thought he was excellent, Emmett. Like, <clears throat> he's just, um, he's really just gone through the gears. Like, later on, like, they conflated, sort of, really injected a bit of pace for the circuit to go, which has suited him down to the ground. It's, you've got to think over three mile two and a half, which is what we're all looking forward to, is seeing him at Cheltenham tackling that trip is only going to bring more out of it. So, um, beating Envoy then over that trip it, um, is a big enough achievement as it is. Um, we're going to be looking forward to seeing him run over that extended three miles. My immediate reaction to this race was, my God, that's the Gold Cup winner. Or he'll win the Gold Cup, I think is what I said. Which my reaction could also have been, oh, because I backed Envoy Len. I like Jerry Kalam a lot. I just thought he was going to have to step up quite a bit in what he'd done. As I see it, there's two ways of looking at this race. There's obviously way more ways. My simpleton mind has two looks at this race. On one hand, you can say that's a huge performance from Jerry Kalam. He's only back with Gordon Elliott eight weeks. It's his first run in open company. All of his rivals had race fitness on their side. Envoy Alain, he's the reigning champion of this race, and he's the reigning Ryanair chase winner. And somehow, when that horse outspeeds him, he manages to rally, get up, and win. That's a massive confidence boost, and he'll be a serious threat going forward. On the other hand, you could say, well, a length and a half back is conflated, and Gordon Elliott is telling you, yeah, he's not good enough to win a Gold Cup, so we're going to go down the cross-country route with him. And if he's a cross-country horse, then how is Jerry Kalam a serious threat? If you're watching this on YouTube, I will say Conflated is here and there's no more improvement to come. Whereas Jerry Kalam is here and there's probably a lot more improvement to come. But what would you say to that? First of all, the reaction to Conflated and Manila Indo both potentially going down the cross-country route. And the idea that this performance, albeit it's great to see him back and it's he's a fantastic horse to look forward to, but Brave Man's Game and Gallop on Deschamps probably didn't lose a whole lot of sleep over it. Well, I think it's important not to get too overexcited with this whole, like with the good horses going for the cross country because it's it's so in favour now. 
Mervyn's not getting any younger, is he? And he's actually... He's probably one that wasn't suited by the way the race ran. He'd probably have rather conflated and gone that quick from the world go. Do you know what I mean? He definitely needs further than three miles now. And he's out of options, really, of where to run. If he's going to go to Cheltenham, he's got to go to the cross-country. Conflated, we know Gordon's not shy of sending a good one there because he's got so many other good ones. And I think there's definitely a degree of Gordon going, I'm going to send two, maybe three big guns to the, to the cross-country race every year. That's one on the board. No matter how bad the week's going, how good or bad the week's going, that's a winner on the board. You can't, he's not going to draw a blank at Cheltenham unless something goes drastically wrong. Uh, that's a good point to make, so, actually. Because my, my, my counter-argument to that would have been if, if the Gold Cup is the blue ribbon of racing and everybody wants to win it and everybody wants to compete in it, then why would you take Delta Work, Galvin, and conflated and run them in a race that only one of them can win when they would have place prospects. Delta Work wouldn't anymore and neither would Galvin, but certainly conflated would at least have place prospects. He couldn't win the Gold Cup, but he might place in one again. Yeah, um, of course, but um, you got to think most of these horses have different owners. I'm not, I'm not certain if conflated and Delta Work both got there. They were both running across country. I think maybe they would explore other options if both of them got there. Maybe Conflated would run in the Gold Cup if, That's a fair if show. Delta Work in one piece. So we can't assume that all three would run. But from Galvin's point of view, if you're um, if you're Galvin's owner, you're not really bothered whether it's Conflated or Delta Work. You want to run your horse where he's got the best chance of winning and he's not going to win a Gold Cup. Mm. He's just not. So you're, it's a shame that his main... Um, competition comes from within the, the same yard, but that's the risk you take when you um, put a horse in training with one of the best trainers in the game. I'm going to make a petition to the BHA to have the cross-country renamed to the Gold Cup Not Good Enough Ryanair Chase Not Fast Enough Consolation Trophy. Because it's going to be a fire lineup. If they all turn up conflated, Manila Indo, Galvin, Delta Work, Statler, like that's... <laughs> It's basically a mini Gold Cup <laughs> over the cross-country fences. Um, I don't begrudge anybody running in it. There will be there will be plenty of people who would do the boring Norville-style analysis. Well, George, uh, if you look at the top contenders for the Gold Cup, I think you'll find that Jerry Kalam has never posted a racing post racing good enough to be able to win a Gold Cup. <laughs> I would argue, as uh, to go back to our conversation from last week about the effect that the Gold Cup has on the winner and the placed horses and how it can be pretty grueling and the subsequent performances of those horses can be mixed at best. With that in mind, there's a slight doubt in my mind about what Galopin de Champ will do this season. Until he doesn't perform, then there's no reason to think anything other than he is still the elite Galopin de Champ. Um, and reading more quotes from Paul Nichols about Brave Man's Game, I'd have very few concerns about him right now. Uh, and he's really building him up for the King George. But if for some reason, in terms of Jerry Colomb's profile, he's all over a Gold Cup winner. Like this this argument about he doesn't have the tactical speed for a Gold Cup, well, neither did Bobsworth, neither did Synchronized, and neither did Native River, who was a real boat. And sometimes you need that. He's absolutely good enough to win a Gold Cup. He's not good enough, as things stand, to beat a Gallop on Deschamps, though. No, no, but it's obviously he's he's had limited chances to record a rating that high. He's, he's stepping out of novice company, and this this is his first go 
against proper open class horses, um, you know, non novices, and he's posted a career high RPR. As has as has the second, who's an eight time Grade One winner. Like that's the incredible. It's a baptism of fire and a half. Shout to go and take him on, not just take him on in his first run in open company, take him on in his own backyard where he's at his absolute best and give him a beating. Like I say, the further that race goes on, the further he wins by. And um, he's only, like I said just now, he's only going to get better the further up he goes in trip. I think good a good shower of rain Thursday night at Cheltenham could well see him go off <laughs> joint favourite for my money. Well, if that doesn't happen, we can always just sneak in in the middle of the night, turn on the taps, have the hoses all over. I mean, uh, no, of, of, well, we wouldn't. We'd never do that. George and I would never get drunk and then stroll into Cheltenham and turn on the taps. Uh, but be asked, the police will be asking to see our anti-post betting history. <laughs> <laughs> like the fifteenth biggest bet that George Corman ever placed. And if you They'll get that like, reference, no, no, okay. then fair enough. Oh dear. It's okay, they've backed Shishkin, they're innocent. <laughs> <laughs> never! I would never back Shishkin for a Gold Cup! Never! <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you have to laugh, because sometimes it would just drive you demented otherwise. Right. Um, as things stand, he's 5-1 to one for the Gold Cup. He is as short as fours. Uh, look, I think 4-1 to one is a crazy price. I don't think 5-1 to one is, is terrible. So why is one point less awful? Because if you're going to place an anti-post bet, and this is why anti-post betting is, is dead, with the exception of some bookmakers, the reason it's dead is if Jerry Kalam has a stone bruise in the morning of the race, you're screwed. You're not getting your money back. And what price is he going to be on the day? Like if Galopin de Champ didn't make it, then obviously he'd be significantly shorter. But the price he is now is in and around the... Brave Man's game was 6-1 to one on the day, and he was the King George winner. The price Jerry Kalam is now, they're trying to get it as close to day of race day price as they possibly can. And what's he going to do between now and then? Probably the Savills chase at Leopardstown for the Christmas meeting. So yeah. if he yeah, wins yeah. that, what price are they going then? Threes? I mean, my God. So he's going to be fives on the day, probably, with Gallop on Deschamps yeah. still there. It should be mentioned as well that like, we used to have come like no non-runner money back sort of time. The price used to go down a couple of points. It doesn't now because they have him so short so early. Just wait. Yeah. Unless you back unless you're gonna back him like I figured the time to get him was when he had just been beat at the Cheltenham Festival. And that's just I wouldn't recommend people do that. Uh, that was a very impulsive moment of mine. I think I got him at fourteens or something. But um if you've waited this long, you can afford to wait until non runner money back because the price won't change. I'd rather because take ridiculous prices early. Unless you're going to put them into some sort of scumbag each way, lucky 31, lucky 63, uh, in which case, knock yourself out. Like, you should, you should absolutely go for those kind of bets. But otherwise, I'd be, I'd be happier to take two to one on the day, knowing what the ground is, knowing what the full opposition is, than take five to one now. Especially when you're not getting the, the protection. There's no protection if he comes out. No, exactly. That's what, that's what I said. I wait till non-runner money back if you want, and he's not going to start at two to one, is he? Unless there's a deluge of rain and Galapanda Champs doesn't turn up, he's not starting two to one. Yeah, um, it's great to see him back though, and I do think that oh, was fantastic. that was a massive performance to beat Envoyland. That that really was a huge. Envoyland's an eight-time Grade One winner. He doesn't get the credit he deserves at yeah. all. Um, did I? 
yeah, we'll, we'll come to this in a second, actually. So targets for him are going to be interesting because Alaho is back. And we saw him at Clamel Clum yeah. and the Clamel Oil Chase uh, winning by nine lengths. Look, it's a small runner field. He's gone up against Janadil. Janadil's only been beaten once on his seasonal reappearance in the last four seasons, now five, and uh, both times by... I think it's twice ever. Twice. Uh, yeah, it is actually. You're right. It is twice ever and both times by Alaho. And they were both seconds. Yeah, both, they were, and both, they were both seconds, seconds to Alaho. Yeah. yeah, both seconds to yeah. Alaho. So th- there's nothing wrong with, with, with uh, Janadil's performance. Look, you just wanted to see Alaho strut his stuff. There's no confirmation in the Sporting Life column or uh, on race day from Paul Townend or Willie Mullins. Uh, as to where he'll go next. But surely, George Gorman, surely they got a roll to the King George now. He's got to. Like he's, for a horse that, you know, we know he, he gets three miles, but he's got so much, he's not so much tactical speed as he's got such a big stride. He never knows how fast he's going. Like he's, he just covers the ground and make, he have everything else off the bridle before he's even turned a hair. And that sort of, Ability to travel is so important around Kempton. It's why um, Brave Man's Game loves it there. It's why Kato Starr, who, you know, before he went and won a Gold Cup, was was a two-miler. Like he was, it's why that sort of tactical speed is so important around there. And you know about it. Trust me. Trust me. You know about it when you're there on a horse that doesn't have it. Because you'll be, you'll be over two miles there. You'll be spat out by the time you cross the road sometimes. Oof. Um, I'm talking about, you know, my experiences in naught to one tens compared to a King George. But, um, <laughs> and even they but, weren't good enough. Exactly. But the point remains, like the ability to travel is the single most important thing around Kempton. This horse just has it. He's he looks so relaxed in his races. He's he's scopy, but he's efficient. As he got in short to two fences on the way around, and it was the same fence, both circuits, that open ditch on the top of the hill which is, it's a, it's a smart fence to get in short to. It's the one you want to get in short to. If you come up long at a fence like that, where you're sort of taking off uphill and landing downhill, it's almost like what a human, you know, you think there's an extra stair at the top of the stairs and the foot goes through nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they sort of take off and they expect the ground to be there as they get there. Then when it's not, they're sort of already coming down, they knuckle over. And that horse knew oh, 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 well oh, oh, enough, oh. like he just, yeah. He just shortened and popped. And that was the, the same fence both times round. Like, he's such a clever horse. So he, he, honestly, he looks about as good a ride as there is in the sport right now, I think. But he's a jockey's dream, isn't he? Oh, I love him. I think he'll... If they do it, if they run him, he wins. And yeah. I say that as a Brave Man's Game fan. But Alaho would beat him. And, he'd, and he would beat him on Brave Man's Game's home turf. Like, he's a Cotto star, novice chase winner, the reigning King George winner. Alaho would, would have him for dinner. I'm pretty confident of that. It'd be, a, it'd be a right race. I'll take that back, actually. He wouldn't have him for dinner. It'd be a proper race, and they would go hard at it from the, from the, the final two all the way to the line. It'd be cue card for tour stuff all over again, but this time, Willie Mullins would get the, the nod. I'm pretty sure Alaho would beat him. I, I reckon it'd be down the back. I reckon it'd be Alaho. Um, Kato Starr stretching them out on his fifth King George it would be who jumps those row of fences down the back the best I think by the time they get to the second last I think it'd be over oh man what a performance that was I was in a pub screaming my head off um, oh, and 
You've heart of stone if you didn't feel something watching oh. that. I still watch it back two, three times a year. It's magic. There were friends of mine there who have no interest in racing, and I was telling them a brief synopsis of who Carlos Star is and the historic moment that he could have if he did it, and they were all on board. Every single yeah. one of them massively invested in in him doing just from an emotional standpoint. Like one or two of them probably had a tenner on him to win. That's um, yeah, just a, it was a remarkable performance. Uh, it's great to see him back. Just out of interest from an equine perspective. How bad is a, is a spleen injury? This is why it was so good to see him come out and do what he did because we just, it's such an unusual injury that we just don't have the, I'd say most people don't have the, the knowledge and I don't think there's the data to really show how much it can affect a horse. It's, it's so unusual. Like we, it, it, it could have been the sort of thing for all we know that ended him, or it might have been something that just didn't affect him at all. And we had to see him come out and do that at the weekend just to know, because I, I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of a spleen in horse. I've got plenty of mates with no spleens, <laughs> but not many horses. <laughs> yeah, Ruby has no spleen. He had to, he lost his one. Yeah, Ruby's one of, one of them. One of the many injuries he suffered. It, it seems as though he's okay. He's got a good record on the back of a second start, so I'm not overly concerned. It's also not a gigantic effort first time up. Like, what is it? Norpior no. of 170. So he's, he's not like at his 180 peak. It's not like it's a gut-busting performance that he then has to pick himself up from for a King George next. Do it, Willie. Do it. That's it. He wins races so early that he can have an easy race like that. Do you know- he does all the hard work in the middle third. Do you know why you can sort of coach that, that's a good point to make as well. But do you know why I think they're going to do this? Patrick Mullins randomly mentioned that it's eight. He did a he has a column in the Racing Post and in their big jump off, he wrote about how it's eight years since the great O'Leary exodus, um, which is also eight years since they last went for the British Trainers Championship, which they lost on the day. And if Futura stands up, then it's game over. Willie Mullins is British champion trainer. Um. I don't know why he would mention that in an article where he's talking about the massive firepower they have and how incredibly excited he is about this new season and all the young talent to go along with the already existing remarkable firepower they have. I I took that to mean at least the conversation has been there that they're going to target British races early, which is not really a Willie Mullins thing to do in recent years. Um, And look, who knows what's going to happen with Gordon? Like Andy McNamara was was tweeting that Gordon Elliott had had 27 winners in the last month, which is more than all but five Irish trainers of last season. And that yeah. I'm sure the figure was uh, Willie has had 250 runners already this season. Gordon <sighs> has had 500. That that number would be more now because this is from this is from a month ago. Um, so throughout the summer, 500 runners for Gordon, 250 runners for Willie, 150 between Paul Nichols and Nicky Henderson. Jesus, yeah, mad. It's, but they've got they've got to run horses in the summer because there's not enough races for them in the winter. Yeah, he's, he's having five runners in every race. This is. Yeah, and and Paul- I, actually, I saw. Did you see the entries for the Drinmore? <sighs> is it how many Gordon Elliott has in the Drinmore? Eighteen. Well, he's he's got the Troy Town by the short and curlies. He was saying to RTE on Saturday. Oh, sorry, I, I mean the Troy Town. Troy, I mean yeah, the Troy yeah. Town. He was right. is yeah. it eighteen? He has so he he was basically he was talking about running fifteen of them. 
I think the I think the cutoff is twenty two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, we laugh. You know, there's there's obviously major problems in British racing. We had the Down Royal race where two stables are represented. Uh, the Moigiana hurdle, it's two stables. Instead of Henry Drumhead, sub in Willie Mullins. Like, Gavin Cromwell's a huge player. He's coming through. John McConnell's got some nice horses. Um, there's there's some others. You know, obviously Henry, but really it's Gordon and Willie's world and everybody else is just playing in it. Yeah. But do it. Do it, Willie. King George, Alaho. It is yours. Uh, all due respect to Brave Man's game and um, and Paul Nichols. He is the one to have to, they have to beat, but I would be fairly bullish that Alaho would beat him. Uh, of the mares, so Alagor Devasi was back doing Alagor Devasi things, and Dino Blue uh, winning the Barberstown Castle Chase. To me, Dino Blue looks like staying a little bit further would be no issue to her. So if I was to give you a choice between the two for the because everything's about Cheltenham uh, for the mares race at the Cheltenham Festival, which of the two would you choose? With Impervious out for the season, which is a terrible shame. I go with Dino Blue. I go with Dino Blue, honestly, because um, I thought it was a big performance at the weekend. Like she's obviously she's kicked on a long way out. Obviously made the best of her stamina. Um, far Phil Door, File Door depends who you ask. Seemingly depends which um, who's on commentary, Judy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, has run a great race, and actually, yeah. Like I know a couple of those handicap hurdles, the handicap hurdle and the graded hurdle efforts sound bad on paper, but they they ended up stuck between a rock and a hard place with Phil Dor last year because they they went chasing. They obviously they got beat just before. Um, sorry, on Boxing Day, St Stephen's Day, by Sam Roy and Visionarium, which is a good effort. And then they know they're losing. Um, they're losing their um, allowance over new year so then they go back hurdling and there was obviously a good pot to be won there with the red mills which he's done in great style and then he's tried to carry top weight and a Cheltenham festival handicap is almost impossible and then maybe was a bit over the top by the time you got to fairy house like beaten by some nice horses nonetheless but he's completely blown out i know? wouldn't blame I, um, I, I wouldn't hold that against him at all no, exactly. And now he's back. He's going chasing. Even when we were watching him in his um, juvenile hurdle days, everyone must have looked at this horse and thought this is a chaser. And he's got through that year now. He's got through that dodgy um, four or five-year-old season. And now we're away again. Like That sort of back of the season would be difficult for him if he was um, some, essentially running under a penalty for turning f- five. Um also means he's carrying he, he you know he had to carry um, more weight than Dino Blue and only just got beaten I think what were we receiving seven pounds the, the mayor's allowance wasn't it yeah um, that's a huge performance from him um, which I think only marks up Dino Blue and they've beaten the rest pointless whereas Asterium Asterium for launch um, Allegory Devassi um, we know she's very talented but she's still jumping right and I know it nearly didn't make a difference at Cheltenham in the end last year, but the fact is it did. She got beat and it's sort of the wheel. It's, maybe it's a bit unfair to say the wheels fell off after that. She was buying some very No, nice they horses. did. They did. She was terribly yeah. disappointing after it. Yeah. But I think, um, is it, it, obviously she's turned around with Instit this time, which is 
promising. And I think actually she was car- she was carrying more weight relative to Instit this time than when Instit beat her. So that, that's obviously promising in and of itself, but I just couldn't be backing her going Cheltenham. I can't. If that rail wasn't there at the weekend, she'd have been jumping like four to, out to her right every time. I just can't trust that going to Cheltenham. There's always going to be one that's going to do her. And I think Dino Blue could well improve again this season, you know. Only a young horse still. Um, yeah, so that would be where I'd be thinking with that. Yeah, I find it difficult to disagree with you, to be honest. I like Allegora Devasi a lot, and I went to the difficult, well, I say difficulty. It was such a, it was such a burden to go onto the Acadia website and watch her form in France. Um, but she did jump out, she she did jump out to her right on her first start uh, going left-handed in France. On her second start, she was much better. And it just, it doesn't seem to matter. It's still there. It still crops up in her. And if she if she was to do that again at the Cheltenham Festival, which she almost certainly would, then you're right. Something else will just take advantage of that. And it, it only takes one horse to do it. So you're looking at a horse who's, what, 7-2 to two for the Mare's Chase right now? 3-1 to one with Impervious. You just couldn't, could you? No, you couldn't, mate. You really couldn't. And also, what do you do with Dino Blue? You almost certainly go for the Mare's Chase with her. Because if Impervious yeah. isn't going yeah. to be back, and I, I don't believe she will be, I think that she is completely out for the season, which is a terrible shame. Um, but then JP needs a horse to sub in for her, and Dino Blue is ideally suited to that, and I think she would stay as well. So, uh, And she it, could be getting better still, Dino Blue. Yeah, that's a very I, good point I'm to make as well. Um, they're both only six. But I, I guess... You've got... Yeah, I, probably the difference. Yeah, the difference between the two is that Dino Blue has the potential to improve for going up in distance, whereas Allegora Devasi is basically at her ideal trip now, anyway. Um, so yeah, look, you could very well be right about that too. But I, Dino Blue was in danger of becoming a disappointing horse, and now all of a sudden she's looking like a real weapon. Um, yet another one for the Willie Mullins team on the back of Fairy House and Punchestown victories, and now she wins first time up at Nace uh, against the boys. Sir Gerard. Oh, man. Surely they're going back over hurdles with this guy. They've got to, haven't they? Like, there's, there's, there's no two ways about it. Like, I, he never looked happy. He's never looked a natural jumper of offence to me. But what, what was actually, if you wanted to take something from the race, like, even when he's right at a fence, he's losing ground in the air. Even when he's perfect, he's spot on, he'll lose at least half a length to a length to su- something else. But you watch, he's losing that ground and every time he's making it up effortless, effortlessly. He's, he's made up probably like 20 lengths during that race, just from the, like, not even mistakes, just where he's not very quick in the air. That engine is still very much there and it's still burning. I just worry if he finished the season chasing, if he's eventually going to go, what am I doing this for? Like, what, I, just keep, I just keep getting left behind, making the ground back up. He's going to be giving himself hard races and now he's had a slap. And if they go back hurdling now, that engine's still there. He obviously probably not going to win a champion hurdle, much the same as, I think we're going to say this multiple times as the season goes on. Everything that we think might be a nice two-mile hurdle, we're going to have to start talking about the stayers hurdle for. You can pick up but Constitution Hill's scraps if you want. Exactly. And I, I think he can do it. He's the sort of horse he's going to be travelling so easy in a stayers hurdle. 
that it, it will help him get the distance. I just think if you're a horse with enough tactical speed, you you can just travel through these races and get away with trips that you maybe shouldn't. Yeah, but as long as you're a lot better than the opposition, which he might be. Like he looked a monster. He looked a champion hurdle horse when he won the Ballymore. Oh, I was convinced. I was convinced they were going for the champion hurdle with him last season. And uh, look, I'm I'm not telling you he'd have beaten Constitutional. He obviously wouldn't have. But do you think he can stay three miles? And and the reason I ask this is when I spoke to Richard Pugh last week, he was saying that every now and again he'll hear someone say, oh, well, that horse won a point-to-point and say, well, that means they can stay. He said, that does not mean the horse can stay. They crawl in Irish point-to-points, and then it's basically a sprint finish. So you're achieving nothing. Like, you're achieving, obviously, something very useful by winning an Irish point-to-point, but it doesn't guarantee that under rules you will stay three miles. So, and and there's the quote from Willie Mullins about Gallop on Deschamps when um, people like me, who are is a huge Gallop on Deschamps fan, was questioning, does he really want the, the stamina trip of the Gold Cup? Uh, Willie's counter-argument to that was he won over three miles at the Punchestown Festival over hurdles. It takes a lot more to stay over hurdles three miles than it does over fences. So if you can stay there, you can. Is there anything in his makeup that suggests to you that really three miles is is what he actually wants? Because he was still travelling sweetly at the second last over two at the weekend. So, so this is a point I was making, and it does relate to Richard's point about those horses and point-to-points. I don't think it's, it's not necessarily that they always go slow in those point-to-points. It's that the bad horses aren't good enough to get the good horses off the bridle. And like you said, he made a good point about people like Jamie Codd and Derek O'Connor with good hands, just putting horses to sleep in those races. And so if you, if you've got, if you're on the best horse in the race and they're not going fast enough for you, the one thing that will get you beat is if you run too keen. That's why it's so important to have these top class jockeys on these good horses, on the you know the potential 400,000 pound horses in the point to points. So they're capable of setting them, even though they're going a pace that isn't taxing at all for them. And this is my point with Sir Gerhard and the Stayers Hurdle. If he can be ridden like that, if he can be put to sleep out the back, he'll give himself every chance of staying. Because I'm I'm not certain if he goes. You know, I'm not certain he's the sort of horse that can go out and make the running over three miles and win. But he, if he's just smuggled into the race and put to sleep by a top-class jockey, which he's going to have, he might get away with it. As, uh, a very, very good example is when Frankel went up in trip, like on the flat. He was the sort of horse that, as a three-year-old, he wouldn't have got a mile and a half in a million years because he was too hard on himself. By the time, by the time it came to it that he ran in the Jumpmont International... Tom Queeley was able to absolutely put him to sleep and he was just lobbing while everything else was running in a grade one. He was not even having a gallop. That's the sort of tactics they'll have to employ on Sir Gerhard for him to get three miles. And I think he might be good enough to do it if he's still champion hurdle sort of quality horse that he looked like as a novice. I was, uh, my eyes nearly came out of my head there when I saw he's 25 to one for the stairs. He is, yeah. And you know he's not going champion hurdle, and you've got to think he's unlikely to jump a fence again. Yeah, I I don't know how many more times you can ask him to do that, and I don't know how many more times he can... You don't want to sour him, 
He's way too good a horse for that. And even if he doesn't fall again, it will sour him because from what I was, from what I said earlier, he's losing ground and making it up all the time. He's using a lot of energy up in those races. And however good you are, eventually that's going to sour a horse. Yeah. Uh, there, there is the French horse who won at the weekend, but I mean, I can't tell you anything about the strength of that French form. Um, it looks monstrous. I think they gave they gave him one six eight as an RPR. Jeez, and it's he's never been out of the first four. He was only fourth once. All the others are first three, and I think just about every race it's ever run in has been graded or listed. It's it looks monstrous. Like, but what that's going to translate to over here. I, I tend to think horses with grade one form don't struggle to um, integrate into English racing because grade ones, no matter where you are in the world, they run at a good gallop. Whereas some of the maiden hurdles and things you talk, people talk about no toy where they, they hack and then they sprint up the straight. Fair enough. Those horses can take a while to adapt to English racing. Grade ones are grade ones wherever you are. Everyone wants to win. Everyone thinks they're on the best horse. They want the biggest test. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I guess the difference is uh, from back in the day when Barracuda used to come over, Barracuda was literally prepping in British races. So, yes. uh, like, who's going to be... How do I word this uh, politely? Who's going to be on board? Because he's British-owned. So yeah. who's going to ride him on the day? Is he going to be ridden by... Um, James Reevely, no? Yeah, is it going to be James Reevely who's on board, which I'd be very happy with? Uh, is it going to be Gestion Monsieur? Because whoever is the road gold tweet in the stairs hurdle should be never allowed under Brexit rules to enter Britain ever again. <laughs> like that guy should just be checked at the security checkpoints. Jeez, that was he, a woeful ride. He gave a very good ride the first time. Oh, he gave him, the first he gave time, him a, he gave it a very good ride. chef's kiss <laughs> ride the first time. And then the second time, he obviously took lessons from Jacques Ricou. Yeah. Here's here's yeah. how I spent time at Willie Mullins. I tell you how you win. It was a horrendous <laughs> ride. Uh, he's a very exciting horse, though. But if Sir Gerard does go back over hurdles, which you would imagine that's what they're going to do now, yeah. then he's a huge player. Um, I had this conversation with Paul Ferguson, who I lost a hundred quid to. Are we supposed to say that? Are we allowed to say that anymore? I don't. I don't know. In this woke culture, who the hell knows? And by the way, I hate that criticism of woke culture because it's just, just because. Ah, oh, never mind. We're not going into that. We're not. Yeah. There, there are other podcasts to talk to you about Hot the fact they're on the brink of World War Three and all that malarkey, and I don't really want to go down that that road instead because it's just oh, it's torture. Um, all right, there were two notable hurdling performances. Um, one for Paul Nichols Rubant, uh, who won the elite hurdle, and he's going to be taking on Constitution Hill in the Christmas hurdle at Kempton. If he starts now, he might have a chance of beating him, but he's a lovely horse and he'll be a good novice chaser next season. Uh, An Irish point who was really good giving lumps of weight away to magical Zoe in Down Royal. Let's go for Irish point first of all. Uh, He's been cut to 14s for the stairs hurdle. Uh, Do you think that's the route they're going to go for with him? 
again, I think it shouldn't be a recurring theme, but I think he sort of has to, doesn't he? I, I, and I think it's the sort of horse that um, the step up in trips is going to suit, whether it would be his ideal um, if he could run in a champion hurdle, I don't know, but we've seen him go up to two and a half um, and, you know, be a very good field there. Katira, Hermes Len, let's be clear about it. You wear it well. Like some proper, proper horses. Authorised speed back in eighth. Like he, and he's a right horse. Um, yeah, I think he's he, he'd be one that'll be in with a real shout come the stairs hurdle. Be interesting to see if he steps up in trip next time with a view to eventually like running an intermediate trip before he steps up three miles at the festival. Although, um, yeah, Gordon Elliott has been happy to sort of just take them to Cheltenham and step them up on the day. Um, I think the second horse came out with a lot of credit. Um, Magical Zoe. Um, yeah, agreed. Big lovely. run. And I don't know whether two and a half is going to be the thing for her come Cheltenham. Maybe she might have to go in a handicap or something. Um, her defeat was at Fairy House, like... He just looked a non-stare to me that day. She really did. Um, so I'm not sure Cheltenham's going to provide the right sort of... It's just a shame there's not a two-mile mare's hurdle. And again, the two-mile open company hurdle there is isn't really worth running. But um, I think that's nothing but credit to the winner, how easily, really, in the end, he's dismissed Magical Zoe when we know further is what he wants, really. Yeah, and she's race fit too. And yet he still managed to give her a 13-pound weight concession and a beating. It's a huge performance. Um, I'm guessing they're going to take him to Fairy House. He went super close to winning uh, that car last year against the eventual Supreme Novice Hurdle winner on the back of only one hurdle start. So if you can go close to winning a grade one as a novice hurdler, surely you go back there for the Hatton's Grace. And that distance would be ideal for him right now as you then build to get him to three miles at Cheltenham. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I thought that was probably up there with one of his best runs of the season last year in the Royal Bond. So don't see any reason. Yeah, it's, it, it'd be interesting seeing back at Fairy House again. But it's 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 one of those. He's he's very good. He's proven he's very good again over a trip that I think is probably below what he wants. And like we say, Magical's always had a run and he's running under her best conditions and he's sort of just pushed her out out the way. That being said, they do have the defending champion of that race in Tiapu. And there are trainers who like to build up a bit of a sequence of victories in this race, including Gordon Elliott with Apples Jade, who won three of them on the bounce. Um, it's been Honeysuckle's crown. Now Tiapu's got a chance to try and rack up three, so probably he'll go there. But wherever they go with Irish Point next, I'd be in agreement with you. I think it, it is going to be the Stairs Hurdle division, and he's a he's a proper one for this season. It's almost a statement of intent that they're staying hurdling with him this season in the first place, because surely like he's built like a chaser. He's built to be a, a chaser, and yet you're going to stick him over hurdles for one more season. Uh, and I believe Tiapu stay, stays over hurdles as well. So. Pretty exciting times for Brian Atchison uh, and the Rob Court team. Uh, Ruban, what did you make of him at Wincanton? He was fantastic. He really was fantastic. And um, I think he probably is going to go to the champion hurdle, isn't he? I don't think Paul Nichols is going to run scared of Constitution Hill. I think he'll go there. 
he would take him on. Maybe they'll rethink if they take each other on the Christmas hurdle. But I, I don't see Paul doing that. I think he knows this is a really, really top class two miler, and I think he's going to let him take his chance. Um, the only mark I would have against him going forwards was that Harry Cobden was very, very good at the start. Yeah, like he's <clears throat> he's robbed five lengths from the go. Good shout. Like the, the start has dropped his flag very early. They've kept walking, and I don't know. I think how quickly he got into stride maybe caught our horse out a little bit. I'm not saying Jamie wasn't caught napping or anything like that. It was more that the horse jumped off and Jamie went, okay, we'll go. And next thing the horse was in top gear. Like the acceleration was something else. And to say he's probably stolen five lengths there and only beaten Hansard four and a quarter. But if, if they were to end up both going for Christmas hurdle or both going to champion hurdle, um, I, I don't, I'm not certain the result would be any different. But what he's done there, Cobden, is he's taken he's taken the race out of Jamie's hands and put it in his own. When he's decided he's gone hard all that way, and he's taken a breather coming to the end of the back straight, Jamie's had to work hard to get to him. But if he was with him already, he could have let out on his girths, made life difficult, taken the running up and gone. By the time he's made up those five, six lengths, he needs a breather as well. So he's got to fail and had to give his horse a breather, leaving Cobden still, you know, very much in charge. I, I would love to have seen Hansard jump the last two better, which maybe with a run under his belt, he might. Maybe he got a touch tired. I, I wouldn't be giving up on Hansard yet, especially at sort of grade two level. Like he ran a wonderful race at the, at the end of last season. And he's a very, very fast horse. And actually, I don't think his jumping of hurdles at speed is anything to worry about. His down back, he was fantastic. For three quarters of that race, he's jumped a champion hurdle pace for the first time in his life. And he's come out of it with absolute credit. Just maybe he's got a little tired towards the end, made a couple of silly mistakes. Which, whether they cost him or not, we're not going to know until they come up against each other again. But I, I wouldn't give up on Hansard just yet. Um, but Rubo was very impressive. Yeah, Hansard will definitely win races going forward for the rest of the season. I don't doubt that at all. Uh, Pop quiz, hot shot. What is the racing post rating that Constitution Hill clocked in the Christmas hurdle at Kempton? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even like to guess. Something horrific. <laughs> he clocked 175. Rubond over the weekend clocked... 147. So just a little bit of improvement. Just a tiny little bit of improvement to me. Somebody's got to finish second to Constitution Hill. Somebody's got to finish second to him. And there's a lot of prize money for finishing second to him. So roll him on, but he's got no chance. And it comes back to this. of of, uh, You have to have the opportunities to run against top-level horses to improve your rating. When a horse is coming, like, you know, sort of just stepping up to this level, you can't. They're only going to rate them off what the other horses they've beaten are. It's, you have to keep running at this level and keep running well to work your way up the ratings. It's like, I like the RPR ratings a, li- a little more in that respect, as you can judge one-off performances just as they are. Because ratings up and down in increments. It's not necessarily reflective of how they've run in a certain race. Yeah, if you wanted to get really nerdy about it, you need to use the Racing Post ratings with the time of the race. 
And it takes a little bit of time yeah. to do all of that, but there's a way of doing it. And that will give you a fair indication of how good these horses are. So I was talking to somebody. Do I say who? Uh, no. But I was talking to somebody well-known who was basically very dismissive of Jerry Kalam. He's like, no, nah, can't do it. Not against the elite staying chasers based on what he did. But then did have the caveat of, well, you know, improvement might come. He was saying that it was basically his speed figure for Down Royal was the equivalent. It was the exact same speed figure that Jerry Kalam clocked at uh, the Dublin Racing Festival, which made me go, oh, well, well, in that case, this is, we should all be taking the fives. He goes, ah, it was the same speed figure as, as Gallop on Deschamps at the Dublin Racing Festival when he was a novice chaser, not last season in the Irish Gold Cup. So, but again, that's only what they've done so far. It doesn't mean what they will do going forward. Um, but in terms of Ruban, yeah, he, he would need to start now to be able to beat Constitution Hill, to, to say the least. There's been a tornado in Ireland, which just seems like such a wild thing to say. Like, oh yeah, by the way, George, there was a tornado here. And it's caused absolute pandemonium with the internet connection. We were going to have a, another guest on the show tonight and he got wiped out. He's okay, but his signal got completely wiped out and ours clearly isn't much better either. So we're going to rattle through everything else by combining them all. Of the novice hurdlers, and we've seen a number of them down memory lane, uh, Il Atlantique made a, a winning hurdling debut, Wilmont, which I don't think was even on the running order, but I'm sure you saw it, Newbury. Of all the novice hurdlers over the weekend, who really took your eye? I love down memory lane. And it's, it's not particularly original, like two seven on favourite. Um, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about Derek O'Connor smug, like keeping his, putting them to sleep in point to points. He did that beautifully with this horse. I guarantee he was a very high head carriage at home, and Derek was able to get over the top of him and sort of lean on his hands and keep the horse's nose down and keep him looking at his fences. My God, like the faster they went, it seemed like the better he went. Like he's he's breezed through the race and you'd be foolish to think he's not going to take quite high order this year in, um, in some of the big novice events. Um, he's obviously he's a walk in the park as well. It's quite scary to think. I know some of them, some of them are two milers, some of them are three milers. They just seem to be brilliant no matter what they do, but he's really exciting to me. Like, you won't see a horse win at any um, main hurdle quite as impressively as that. No, like, I don't think Derek moved the whole race. He was incredible. It was a stunning performance. It's also worth noting that that's a race that Gordon has won in the last five years with Envoy Allen, Bally Adam, and Mighty Potter. So, tends to run a good one in this, and I would imagine down memory lane is, it's been said by a few other people that something has changed with the horses that JP is acquiring, that he's looking for those faster two-mile types, that supreme novice type. Um, probably with a view to having Arkle and Champion Chase winners going forward. And he looks tailor-made for the Supreme in my mind right now. We'll, we'll see what they decide to do with him. He may very well end up being a Ballymore horse. He might, be, might not be that good at all, but right now he looks to have a whole heap of class and he'd be very, very exciting. Uh, Il Atlantique flattered to deceive a number of times last season. I would have a concern about what he finds in a finish against in a fight against another rival, but there was nothing wrong with his performance at Goran Park. No, um, again, like, like say, uh, what, what he's going to do in a tight finish, we haven't learned any more about. But he's got them into the ground by, you know, by three out in this race. The, the race is full of half behind him, 
because of what he's done on the front end, which is it's important to know the distinction between that, between sort of saying, oh, the race fell apart, you want to race No, he made the race fall apart. This was very impressive in very bad ground. And I think it was very likable. Yeah, um, I, I think the best the best hurdling performance over the weekend, and maybe this is recency bias, but I loved Mahan's way. I really, really liked that performance. It was a big weekend for Henry de Bromhead. Uh, Hartwood followed home Grange Clare West in the novice chase and looks like definitely a horse to keep on the right side of. We spoke to Puppy Power about him. It would have been this time last year. Was it for the, the Ferry House special? Um, it might very well have been. It could have been when Puppy retired, but it, I remember talking to him about that horse specifically. And in his role with Henry de Bromhead, he was very excited about him too. So it's nice to see that horse back. Um, but... Slade Steele looked really good in his novice hurdle, but I much preferred the performance of, of Man's Way. I think he's going to take a high order going forward this season. Um, Firefox is is going to be really interesting going forward as well. Obviously, it wasn't a hurdle race. It was a bumper. Uh, he's set to go hurdling now, and um, I think he'll take quite a, a high order as well. But the of all the novice chasers that we saw over the weekend, and we talked about the Paul Nichols ones in depth, uh, the one that I was most taken with was found at 50 who regular listeners to the show will know we talk about a lot. Um, so I'm going to combine Grange Clare West, Corbett's Cross, Hartwood, Founder 50, and Colonel Mustard all together. And this will be the, the last one before we wrap up. Um, really like the performance of Grange Clare West. He promised the world last season and did not deliver. Um, Paul Tannen was saying to Gary O'Brien on Racing TV afterwards, he left us sorry, feeling very sorry for himself when he got beaten in the Lawlers of Nace Novice Hurdle. Uh, earlier this year by Champ Kiley. He looks a completely different proposition over fences. And uh, I think the second and the third, obviously, are going to take high order going forward. But they'll all have to go some way to beat Founder 50. I love this performance from him. For all that the horse he beat is probably not a natural chaser. He's a high-class horse, Colonel Mustard. But Founder 50 was flawless. Yeah, well, I'd say the thing about Founder 50 he was ruthlessly efficient in his jumping. He wastes, he wastes no time in the air. Like he's, he, he's making lengths at every fence without really seeming to leave the floor. There was one, was it the open pitch last time round? Um, Jack Kennedy gave him a real kick the belly and sent him into one. And that was there Honestly, that's there if you need it. It's all well and good sort of just fiddling and sort of, you know, even if you're not losing ground, fiddling all the way around. But sometimes you need that big jump when you just meet one wrong at the last or whatever. And he showed if you do it all. He, yeah, like you said, Colonel Musk, but he's jumping probably down a little bit on a couple of occasions. So literally, we can take an eight-leg feeding of him, I'm not sure. But Founder 50 can only do what you asked him to do. He's the sort of force that would be quite comfortable going to handicaps if he had to. I don't think he'll have to. But he'd be sort of not. actually that you could um, no. He's he's sort of all the cope the paddy power because he's so efficient over his fences. That's a good show. He's not going to, but he'd be the sort of horse that could cope with it. Um but yeah, it's, it's all which one's going for which race. I think I think he might have turners written all over him for yeah. me. I don't think he really needs to go any further. He's got a lot of speed. Whereas um, Grange West, I think, uh, has Brown and Rosie written over him. Yeah. He's, he, 
he's a proper old fashioned type horse, which, you know, being from a like point to point in family, we're suckers for them. We absolutely <laughs> love them. <laughs> he's, he was another one to be fair, a bit like I, I was saying about um, the other horse the other day, he measured his fences so well in front. He just, everything seemed to come easy to him. And I was thinking as they turned into the straight, I was like, gosh, shame there aren't two more fences in the straight because he'd win this. And, there's something about our pool town and roading because I expect the horse I think of, I think of Grange Fair West is your future three mile chaser. If you're on a horse you think really needs three miles, a horse that's not got much tactical speed, he'd have kicked on turning into the straight and he didn't. He sat on him and he was happy to let Hartwood and Corbett's Cross come to him, knowing that he had the class or the speed or whatever to dispatch them when they got to him. There's a big vote of confidence in the horse saying, I know you're not a plodder. Let's let them come to us and then beat them when they get here. Which I, I was really impressed with that. It's sort of opinion on the horse changed the race and I started place of liking him. I ended the race thinking, not only do I like him, I think he's a bit more classy than we all thought he might be. And he, he just remember he's got a big body. Like last year, he was a horse with a big body who might not have been quite fully mature, which can lead to them being a bit inconsistent. He's another year older, another year stronger. By presenting, like they can keep getting better till they're about 10. This was might find some consistency this year now, just with a bit more strength. You know, it can be a bit like um it can be a bit like having a mini engine in a Range Rover when these horses are young, right? They've got this big frame to carry around. Whereas now hopefully there's a Range Rover engine in there. He was dealing. He had a Prius engine last year, but now he's got a Merc <laughs> engine. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, yeah, I, of those of those novice chasers, uh, a really, I think that's a very strong race as well. I mean, Corbett's Cross is going to be a big player going forward. Yeah. Again, Hartwood, a horse I, I really, really like. He was sourced. He was taken from the same source as Aplutard. He's from the same production yeah. line, um, so he's. That alone is something to keep on in mind. Uh, it was a good chasing debut last year when he was a, a young horse, and and they've looked after him, brought him back, kept that status intact. He'll take a, a high rank, but Founder Fifty is the one that really caught my eye over the weekend. I mean, I think he got most people's attention. It's also worth pointing out, Gordon Elliott has won this race with names we just mentioned: uh, Mighty Potter, Envoy Len, Sam Crow, Delta Work, Tombstone, Atoy Phil. Like he's he targets good horses at that race. Um, he's in the Drinmore. I think that's where we're going to see him next. And he, I know you're a massive fan of the horse we talked about last week from Gavin Cromwell's yard. I'll be taking you on with Founder Fifty. Yeah, yeah, they're very similar horses. Very very similar horses. And rumor has they're it, both, rumor both, has it, want- you're going to be over for that meeting. So you, we might be there in the stands, tearing each other's hair out. 100%. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to have a match bet or something like <laughs> some awful fourth, like someone's going jumping in the pond in the middle or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is an inside joke for. They're like when they finish the orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone's, someone has to shave their head, which is probably me because the receding hairline is getting ridiculous. Um, right, who is the standout performance for you from the weekend? <laughs> Oh, oh, um, 
it would be close for me between Grange Clermont and down Mary Lane. Do you have a chaser and a hurdler? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do I really like Firefox as well. I've said I'm not going to take a hurdler and But um, Firefox was another horse that I really changed my opinion as they went round. Like, he looked like he didn't have a clue what he was doing up the straight the first time. His eyes were out on stalks, looking all over the place. And just somewhere, he changed legs just before the road crossing. And the speed he showed out of nowhere for a big horse was shocking. Like, yeah. it was, you were watching him going, oh, this, this would be a lovely chaser one day. And then you suddenly watch him go, he's very big, but he might be a bloody champion hurdle horse one day. <laughs> like, he was... He showed that much speed from that road crossing to the line. It's you don't often see that from a big horse. I, ju- I just hope he's he stays sound because he is very very big. But he really really caught my eye as well. Just very briefly on that because again the internet connection is woeful tonight. And apologies to, to everybody. There's Ireland, man. Broadband infrastructure in Ireland is just pathetic. But when you we all fall in love with these big horses like King of Steel for example. Um, and then listening to Nick Luck's show, the guy who bought him, uh, there were there were people at the sales who were referring to King of Steel as, oh, the police horse. Like, nobody wanted him. Somebody yeah. obviously did because they paid 200 grand for him. So somebody was obviously bidding against them. But those big beasts of, of horses, they look fantastic. You think that, oh, they'll just dance over a fence. It'll be easy for them. But for because of their size, it they're far more susceptible to injury than a quicker, nimbler horse. Yeah, oh, it's, it's such a gamble buying a horse of that size. It really is because you've got to remember racing's changed so much in like even even if you want to go all the way back to like the days of like Arkle and horses like that, they were all it's seventeen two, seventeen three. They were massive horses, but they weren't trained so hard as they are now like that's why you know these sort of more flatbread type horses have come in because they can take the work they started with martin pipe really just having his horses fitter than everyone else then all these other people had these proper old-fashioned irish sort of types tried to train them so hard they all broke down so they've almost disappeared completely from the game these big horses apart the big yards of willie mullins and gordon elliott if they're good enough, they're really fast and they're 16-3, 17-9. They only need to run four times a season anyway, and they don't need to be that fit first time out. So they're good enough to be trained sparingly. Those are the, that's the only way horses that size exist now. Like, no quality 17 ounces don't exist in racing because they go wrong. They just they just can't take it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point to make. Again, you're being crippled by the bloody broadband connection but there's not a whole lot I can do about it um, I've really enjoyed this George as always um, I believe you're back with us next week and hopefully Dennis O'Regan the history maker Dennis O'Regan multiple grade one winning rider and multiple Cheltenham Festival winning rider and now the only man to have ridden a winner at every single race course in Britain and Ireland currently riding today it's a terrific achievement from, from him um, but he got scuppered by the old tornado thanks a bunch storm demi or whatever your name is uh right that is it from george gorman and for me thank you for listening uh, if you have not already then a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app would be much appreciated uh, and likes and shares on social media much appreciated as well we're back to preview navin and cheltenham there's the small matter of cheltenham this weekend so we'll talk about that we're on talk sport on thursday and friday and between now and then 
TalkSport 2 Christmas party. Who knows what state we'll all be in? Uh, take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. Look after yourself and each other. God bless.